Hey everyone, welcome to episode 54, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. And this is a non-Facebook Live edition again. Uh, it's all scripted up and ready to go. <laughs> and for the invitation for those that will be watching at some point. Uh, one more logistical hump to get over. And so hopefully that will take place next week. But one thing I was going to mention, as long as it was already here in the notes, a good way to catch up on the mobile app and what's going on, not just with us, but with the church in general, is, of course, the FHC mobile app. And someone caught me the other day and said, I looked for it. I couldn't find it. And I said, well, here's the easiest thing to do. Hospitalchurch.org slash FHC app, A-P-P, F-H-C A-P-P. And that will take you to the page that tells you all about the app. On our website, and there is a link if you are an Apple player, Apple App Store link, and the Google Play Store link, both right there. And then you can download the app, and then you won't have to worry about missing anything else in the future. So, before we get started any further, let's uh, just review. Last week was Pentecost, which was part one of the Promise Fulfilled series, where we currently are. And we decided that the wind of the Spirit is still blowing. Jesus said you can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so just breathe. Inhale and let God's Spirit be with you and in you, and let that Spirit, the power of Pentecost, transform you, change you, and then, through you, change the world. That was a pretty awesome message in, in and of itself, and that ending really has kind of resonated with me all week until it was time to start thinking about this week. And so if you haven't listened to that or watched that message, you don't really want to miss it. And you can do both of those by going to the aforementioned Hospital Church mobile app or, of course, at the website hospitalchurch.org. So this week, The Promise Fulfilled, entitled God Grows His Church. And today we're dealing with church envy and the fallout of not measuring up to the early <laughs> church of Acts. And I would also propose that this is also prevalent among churches who want to, I don't know, compare size, attendance, money, buildings, maybe the <laughs> AV setup with other churches who, you know, these things are in their mind that we have to do things bigger, better, cooler, <sighs> and maybe even possibly, according to this Acts business, maybe even more holy mm-hmm. or more... A little more spirit-filled. A little, a little more spirit-filled. So my first question was, I thought, all right, how are we going to deal with this just to roll out to get started? So from your perspective, both of you, or one or the other, doesn't matter, but as a staff, how do you think Florida Hospital Church specifically deals with this issue? Because isn't there legitimate comparisons that we would use maybe to a degree to gauge maybe who we are, what we are, where we are, why we are? My first egotistical response was, why would we compare it? <laughs> no, um, hmm. Andy said something in in the talk that I thought was powerful as it relates to prescriptive versus uh, descriptive. One of the things that we like to define in here here at our church, and we actually it's one of our two expectations, and that is because you did talk about you know how you use technology and how you use the family and how you use. Uh, you know, various things to, you know, spread the gospel and to share the gospel. But we as a church are sold out to the idea that every every member is a minister, that every person in this church has the distinct, not only opportunity, but responsibility to be, to utilize their pulpit, wherever that might be. Priesthood of all believers. Yeah. And yeah. that and that goes. Did I say that? I'm sorry. Did you I? didn't, but I. I yeah, would, okay. that, would, that would work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and 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 that's. I think that's really important that we recognize that 
it's within their frame of reference. It's, it's who they are, and we're all different, and therefore God can use us all differently as well. Exactly. Um, it really important. I think the the most critical thing we talked about this weekend, which is not what the title even reflected or anything, is this whole aspect of prescriptive versus descriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, we so oftentimes compare ourselves because we believe somebody's not measuring up to the prescription of what the church should be. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so we can that makes it, it gives us a sort of a marker we can measure each other against, <laughs> as opposed to saying no, 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 no. The the New Testament, in fact, all of scriptures is are primarily descriptive of what was going on that day. Mm-hmm. And so now, if it's descriptive, we have to look into that story and pull out the principles and apply them to ourselves. And of course, our tendency is to apply them to ourselves and then point fingers at who's not applying them to themselves. You know, that that's all human nature, but. Yeah, well, and it kind of goes back to what I was just saying is that most of the time we we believe that, you know, we go to these large – because there's so many big, mega churches and we go to how are they doing it, what, you know, what are they doing and try to follow a, a formula of how did you get to be so large, you know, what was your – how did – you know, what was your strategy for this? And uh, and that's not what I see in the early church movement. And the the cool thing about it is is that each person – it wasn't – Peter, it was each person had flames of, you know, it was all, it was all these people were filled, were filled. And, and so it goes back to, I think, this time when people have an opportunity where, you know, one person was saying one thing, but another person was saying another thing. So in other words, each person heard what they were, you know, what they were wanting to hear from whatever angle of the room they were at, so to speak. And so I think that's sort of an idea of where I think churches can any church can grow is that their members are sold out to the idea of knowing that God will and will use any one of us for anything, and that's well, it uh, matches our current vision yeah. as well. That we'll be a church without walls, which means we're everywhere, anywhere a member is, yeah. the church is there, right? And we'll be fully engaged. Uh, and serving the people of our community. So fully engaged means all of us have a place to be engaged. That's fully engaged. Completely. <laughs> and so I, I really think that that's really part of the of the secret of, of this whole process. And, and, of course, we're also sold out not only to every person being a minister and having their own ministry, but we're also sold out to that being a very relational thing, that the gospel comes into people's lives best over a relational bridge. So it's not just me doing something or... Uh, giving more money or that kind of throwing something at a problem. It's me getting to know the person and sharing my life with them. And then through that sharing of life, the gospel can transition into person another person's life. If you look back at how you came to Christ, you just look at that and you think, okay, wow, I, that was through somebody, a person, yeah. influenced me. Uh, it's interesting that within our denomination, they've done some research, and all of our evangelistic meetings – all of our radio, television broadcast, everything we do evangelistically around the world, bring in about ten percent of the baptisms. Really, ninety percent come through a relational bridge. Yeah, and so you know, so, so and, and relational bridges is basically free. <laughs> you know, yeah. Just be nice anything. and be friendly to people. <laughs> and, and there's a low budget evangelism project. <laughs> 
Well, I think doesn't that create some type of a balance though? Because they're in in one aspect, like you were talking, Jeff, about like mega churches, and we're not necessarily saying, "Wow, how did you get so big?" and "How did it go so fast?" and "What's the formula for your worship service?" Maybe that's mm-hmm. it, or you know, maybe it's that you're you know everybody knows Joel Hunter around the world, and so maybe it's you know maybe it's Joel, and no, nothing against oh, Joel yeah. Hunter. I, I appreciate his Very sermons and stuff, and that church for that matter, but. When the comparisons start to come, it you know that can probably put us on a slippery slope. But at the same time, I mean, really, we do want. You did mention in the message that we do want God to bring more people in. Oh, sure. So it's yeah. we're, there's got to be some kind of a balance there to hey, we really do want to increase because that means we're bringing more people in. There's more right. evangelism, like you said, even of the free kind that are <laughs> that's happening in a, yeah. in larger numbers. Well, one of the things that really impressed me in my study last week was that. I had never realized how much the early church took advantage of of what was happening in the first century in this in the culture in the society. That, that was interesting. I'd never uh, heard that. That, that they were they were riding the wave of the of these Roman cities on the eastern edge of the Roman Empire, and and so they were like they were new cool places to go try new things, and so the. The Christianity was one of these new things now that came to the synagogues. The synagogue itself in these towns was a, another social hub that the Jewish diaspora had created, and so they would just go and they would use the synagogue as the first place of sharing the gospel. The family unit that was—we think of family as who lives in our house. The family unit was a bigger, more extended group back then, and they used the family. Paul, I never thought trade associations— uh, you know, we just leave yeah. the business world out of our gospel proclamation, but here Paul was using his association with other tent makers as a as a great place to share the gospel. And so, how do we? Uh, they use all those kinds of things. What what's happening now in the twenty first century? Yeah, the church is abdicated to the world that we ought to be grabbing back a hold of and riding not for our economic or social benefit, but for the kingdom of God benefit to see the gospel be able to reach the world. Well, it makes total sense if you Start think about it. If you're not careful here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes perfect sense if for someone, especially in the trades, because you understand things that really in this probably in nearly the same terms that only a few other people truly understand things. If you're in full time vocational ministry or whether you're a right. tent maker, you have things in common that are going to probably make that bridge a little bit easier. Well, sure. I mean, you, you get we, we've talked about um, over the years doing. Picking a trade group and saying let's 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 actually go after that group. Well, you know, let's we'll go after all the dry cleaners in Orlando. You know, or, or uh, and and I've, it's interesting. There are some um, of the hospital groups now that have been doing um, pathology groups. Basically, all the di- all the diabetics getting together and encouraging one another and having. It's amazing if you've had heart surgery. What you immediately have in common with everybody else who's had heart surgery. Yeah. You just, you know, you have these experiences, you start talking, there's just a natural affinity almost there. And so to take advantage of all these life experiences, but also that where's where's the edge? We were just talking before we started the broadcast about some movies kind of thing. But but where's where's the Christian in the arts and entertainment industry? You know, basically most Christians think, "Oh, I've sort of handed that over to you know the other side." Yeah, Hollywood's got that, that nailed they, down. That, that we, we don't have any say or control over that. And then when if, when there's a Christian movie, we all think, "Well, could they do a good one?" You know, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, but where's where can where could Christians take media beyond traditional Christian stories 
to nuances. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, you know, Tolkien. Uh, those were those stories of Chronicles of Narnia and and um, the Lord of the Rings and all that. Those are spiritual stories, sure, by guys who sat around and talked about spiritual things together. But they're not they're not necessarily thought about as churchy or even Christian. They're thought of as great entertainment. Yeah. Well, and again, it goes back to your priesthood of all believers, so to speak, is that I I have a I have a position that I don't always have to think about it in terms of making money. I can use utilize this as not just as my job, but also an opportunity for making inroads, doing my job well, so I can make inroads into other people's lives alongside of it. You know, the um, the other side of it you mentioned was the 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 nuclear family was different. The family was different, you know, mm-hmm. how it's different had, again today. Yeah. And it's, and it's very, and it's very different today. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it, you know, boils down to us not only thinking in ter- and also technology, uh, right. and, and Huge. travel, the ability to travel. Uh, when you, when you talked about Jane Andrews, um, and the preparation needed for just that, make yeah. that one trip yeah. or we do it in an afternoon. Yeah, eight or nine right. hours. I mean, yeah. eight or nine days, days to, get, yes. to get from here to Europe. And yeah, and then have everything was, and that was a, that was a new fast trip. It had been thirteen and fifteen days before. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and to think about what now you take for granted. But does do you think that with the kind of instantaneousness of like, hey, just like that? Okay, right. now you can you can video call with someone on the other side of the world instantaneously. Exactly. And you know now there's apps where, like you said, you can just t- type in the word, or you can speak into an app on one end, yeah. and it comes out in their language in the other. <laughs> the other I mean, end, yeah. Th- that's gift ins- of tongues right there in your hand. That's insane. But is there a fear that maybe when you do things so quickly, and maybe there's not quite the you know maybe this you're you're striving for numbers, or I literally laughed out loud when I when I heard it that the ranks of the 12% that believe things like Joan of Arc is the wife of Noah, you know, or how do we gauge that risk or how do we keep that in check to make sure that when we're using our talents that we're creating something genuine and authentic in Jesus? It stays, it stays biblically based. Yeah, right. Well, and I think that's where we usually go. I think that's the point that I think we miss is we think that with it so being so quick, the fact that we can do this so fast that we we might compromise biblically-based spiritual accuracy. And I don't think that's the issue. I, I think that might be part of the issue. But I think the big issue is relationship, like we mentioned before. It's more relationally changing. Yeah, I, I think yeah. relationships take just as much time to develop today as they did back in <laughs> Christ. We don't yeah. – um, I, I think that the speed of the 21st century that is reality with technology and all that kind of thing – is another opportunity for us as Seventh-day Adventists, who are Sabbatarians, to really rebuild uh, the foundation of taking a Sabbath, what it means mm-hmm. to take a Sabbath. I mean, the commoditization of the world is what everything's about. It's about usefulness and productivity, and you, know, you measure all that stuff. And yet, to unplug for 24 hours from self-advancement, from, com- from commoditization, from, consumer, from, from consumerism, yeah. is a major opportunity that we have to give to the world right now that we could ride. We, we don't, we're not riding necessarily a, a trend, but we're, we're actually offering a respite from the trend. From the trend, uh, being right. able to give Sabbath back to the world. Yeah. 
I see some people, even, you know, people that have never claimed to be anything, having anything to do with a religion or with the mm-hmm. thought process of that Sabbath, and now saying, you know, maybe it's not Saturday that they're using it as a Sabbath. It may right. be Sunday. It may be, I've seen people right. doing it weekdays, right. but part of that trend, and then they're looking at other actual religions and going, oh, like Seventh-day Baptist, Seventh-day Adventist. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys have known about this for a long time. How come I never knew about this? And what we've done with it, I, I, boy, I, I don't want to go off on this. We could have a whole other podcast on this. But, <laughs> but what we've done about is we've we've made it so much about being right on the right day and what all that signifies and means and how to keep it, yeah. as opposed to what it should mean and yeah. what it should bring to our lives and really taking a Sabbath and how can that be special? And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll we'll come back to that because there's going to be a series. I'm coming <laughs> doing, yeah. I've been doing reading. There'll be a series in the fall sometime. I'm uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. T- <laughs> tune in for that one for sure. Well, and the one thing I wanted to ask too is, you know, how do we highlight effectively these ministries and innovations when they do happen? I know mm-hmm. we weren't here this past week, but my wife was working with Megan with some of the different thing parts and pieces to the new kids, new kids ministry. Co. Yeah, mm-hmm. the kids co. And, um, you know, open table concept, which we've talked a little bit here on the podcast, because those are things that we should really feel good about and things that we should be telling our community and be engaging our community that this is something that's happening at our church. And this is something to be a part of. This is something right. to be, you know, that should be celebrated, right? I mean, do, do, we, do we do a good enough job of that? No, probably no. not. <laughs> no. yeah. yeah, I'll answer that one. No. <laughs> no. Well, it, it goes back to how many people are even listening to this. Yeah, well, and yeah. it's hard to get all that kind of stuff and, out. And and the whole idea, and back to relationships again, if all of our relationships are with people who are like-minded with us, the opportunity to affect the world becomes much more diminished. Sure. You know, if, if, if all of a sudden we have some great relationships with people who are really at other ends of spectrum, theologically, philosophically, politically, you know, whatever, now's an opportunity to have a conversation and be able to say, hey— you ought to come hear such and such at our church, or you ought to come be with me about this. Kind of my class that I go to, or and we're going to be discussing such and such a topic. But if we don't have the relationship that's, that's, built up, that's earned the right to invite, um, yeah, we, can't, we don't have right. a chance to even invite them. So that's a good opportunity to go back in the archives, if you haven't before, and listen to Boy, that's been what now? That was last October, uh, debating with Grace, because in order to build those relationships, we have to be open and transparent enough and genteel enough. Humble. (laughs) Humble enough. Thank you. This is what I was looking for, to uh, actually invite someone in to have that relationship before, again, you can make that invite. Real quick, as we run out of time, uh, two of our uh, FHC takeaways actually loved those this week, as always, asked how innovative and engaged with the culture should the church be today for the sake of the gospel going to the world? And the second one that I liked that I felt really hit home was where might God be calling you to excellence in secular culture for kingdom benefit? These two really strike at the heart of what we talked about as far as how can you be engaged and, you know, how do you feel about this? So we'd love to hear your responses to that. You can do that via the FHC mobile app. And again, just go to Florida Hosp- or hospitalchurch.org slash FHCAPP, FHC app. If you haven't downloaded it, and if you have, just go ahead to the media tab in the podcast banner, and you can reply right there for that. And finally, uh, a few thoughts I had from this message. For me, the prescription is to engage, however and whatever that looks like, as it pairs with your gifts and your talents. Taking a step in that direction, but remember that the first step is the hardest, and those that follow are often the most rewarding. People respond to sincerity and to love, and as Christians, we should be equipped like none other with the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us— and for the treasure of eternity to come, and it should embolden us to move forward. 
This week upcoming, what's next? Is We're talking about room at the table, as in the Eucharistic table, the communion table, mm-hmm. the Lord's table. And we'll be celebrating communion at church this week as well. So Excellent. Um, yeah. Come and enjoy and understand hopefully a little better the specialness and the meaning and the substance behind uh, sharing that table. All right. Well, you don't want to miss that. So join us in-house if you can online at hospitalchurch.org. And until next Wednesday in episode 55, this is Randy for Andy, Jeff, and Tom saying thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you then.